Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the China Shop. We are kicking open the doors to talk about another big piece of news that just dropped today. I've got Eric from ES Invests joining us. How are you doing today, Eric? Dude, I'm doing swell. I'm doing better than a fly on a piece of shit right now. Is is that what flies like? I mean, have you ever seen a pile of shit? There's normally flies all over it, so I have to imagine yes. I didn't think they were that discerning. <laughs> well, fine. Maybe we'll do like a dung beetle around a piece of shit. How does that sound? That's in that dude's name. <laughs> so what was the big news today, Eric? What What is everybody all talking about? I think it might have been that I'm gearing up for a PR on deadlift. And I think a lot of people were really buzzing about that. Maybe that was it. I thought it might have had something to do with North Korea losing their minds again. But I don't think that was it either. I think Big Daddy J-Pow just dropped some bombs today, my dude. Oh, my God. Did he he slapped a rally right in the face, like just dude, five-finger bitch slap. It was <laughs> awesome. And the market movement today was fascinating. So I'm sure your listeners obviously know we're referring to the FOMC uh, rate statement today and then the press conference. Mm-hmm. And the market movement around this was profound. As you and I have talked before, I am a nerd dude like i really like looking at this stuff and i've looked at the past 40 fomc meetings now i keep expanding further and further back out of curiosity mm-hmm. and i look at the intraday price movement around fomc meetings and what we saw today was extremely unique in that before we got the the announcement in the uh let's pull up spx real quick so in spx we were hovering let's call it like 3830, maybe 3835, 40, somewhere in there, we rallied up to a peak of 3894, and then we ended the day down 3758. Yeah. 
huge intraday moves. Absolutely fascinating stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm stoked to talk to you about it because there's so much to dig into here. What was crazy was it, it made a couple different trips, it seemed like from top to bottom of like the current area that it's been rotating in. Yeah. Like it, it seemed like it tested the low, it shot up, tested the high, came back down, tested that low, tried to shoot back up again. And then it just, I think uh, as Powell continued to talk, it just got more and more hawkish as it went on. Exactly, dude. And I, that's actually one of my hands down favorite things about the markets is that we really have this super cool thing where we can observe pricing happening like mm -hmm. real time. Because as the guy is opening his mouth and words are coming out, literally everybody across the market is trying to understand the implication of those words and then discount a future price to where we're at now. I love watching price action like today because it is a primetime example of exactly that. We are synthesizing information as it's coming out. I was actually really blown away by the pre-release news mm. that came out pretty much at 11 is when we had that huge candle. It was a low of 38.34 and a high of 38.65. That's on a one minute candle. And that obviously that's right as you know the press presser started and i was like oh interesting i wonder if something you know like they, they leaked anything was there like a pre-read that i missed and again it's just markets pricing which is just such a fascinating function well i mean maybe somebody did get their hands on the statement because the statement i thought made it sound like there were hints of of the potential to slowing the pace of rate increases and I think everyone was kind of hanging their hat on that. Like they thought the end was in sight. Well, and, and I agree with you also in just the, the messaging from the rest of the Fed leading into this. Mm -hmm. A lot of other Fed members have been talking about like, hey, maybe we don't necessarily need to be this aggressive or does it make the most sense to continue these, you know, essentially pre-established 75 BIPs races. And I think a lot of people started overvaluing the other Fed people's opinions realistically because at the end of the day like big daddy j pals the dude so but also too wasn't it unanimous to vote for the three-quarter 75 bit pike yeah oh and i think for november there was no there, there was just about no other um outcome expected not to say that it mm -hmm. couldn't have happened but i think that would have shocked the market like big time i think the main thing is the forward messaging because already yeah. the market in my opinion is priced in as 75 basis point raise for some time now i think the market movement we saw today is far more about december and you know 2023 right as compared to anything that happened today so what are the uh the estimates now or what's the market predicting for for december I think before the hints had been there'd be a 75 BIP in November and a 50 to end the year. I think that's what everybody was expecting. But And I think that that is the prevailing, the prevailing trend. So it looks like going forward, I'm looking at the futures right now, and it looks like a slight probability preference to a 425 to 450 target rate um, that's in basis points mm -hmm. so that puts us around that that half a point increase there's even a higher probability than i thought for 450 to 475 which is actually kind of surprising to me well i think powell even said in the press conference that interest rates may need to rise above the uh the previous estimate Let's see what the actual statement was yeah they may need to rise above the 4.6 percent previously estimated which is wild yeah because he he really 
I don't want to say that he's on like a war path or anything like super inflammatory like that, but it really, really does surprise the living shit out of me. Like how resolute he is on this mm -hmm. path, especially because most of the economists that I respect their opinion, they're thinking that we might have already over tightened. Yes. And then Powell came out today saying, I don't think we've over tightened. And that's terrifying, right? Because mm -hmm. there's really smart economists that are saying it already happened. And then Powell is saying, I still don't think we've done it yet. Ergo, there's a good chance that we're going to continue this very restrictive policy going forward, which obviously the market is trying to tango with. Uh, I'm trying to see what else he said in here. Because the I think the comments were where most of the uh, the interesting stuff happened at. So the the thing that we we're kind of talking about was the thought that they may start to to um, lessen the pace of the rate increases or start to to kind of slow down on that. Mm -hmm. uh, his exact words here was, "It is very premature, in my view, to think about or to be talking about pausing our rate hikes. We have a ways to go. Our policy: we need ongoing rate hikes to get that level of sufficiently restrictive territory. And of course, we don't know exactly where that is. I would expect us to continue to update it based on what we're seeing with incoming data." premature to talk about pausing the hikes and we have a ways to go that is a very very hawkish statement in my opinion super telling it's super telling and the the other part that's so fascinating about that statement to me and i and i keyed into another uh, snippet of that which is you know the committee decided to raise the target rate range for federal funds to you know three and a quarter to four mm -hmm. and i i think like we're starting to see some dissent within the fed because leading into this announcement, there were several Fed members that were saying, hey, maybe we don't need to keep doing 75 basis points, essentially, you know, into perpetuity. And what we're seeing from Powell today would not necessarily suggest 75 is guaranteed, but obviously that's the way it seems like he is primarily leaning. I think that it wouldn't be shocking to me to see, you know, a 50 basis points, something like that. But I think the market was hoping to hear something even lower than that, potentially. I think I don't know. There was some conversation in some groups that I'm a part of where people were you know, hoping for a pivot, which I think would be catastrophic. So I don't really think we're, we need to be in that dialogue yet, but I am a little surprised to see this 75 to 50 just laser focus right now because, you know, and, and he doesn't think he over tightened. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't think that they're over tightening. So to me, it just means that the, the propensity for this is pretty profound. And I think it's so important as we start leading into the the winter, as it's like that's starting to heat heat up, I guess that's a inverse misnomer there. As, <laughs> as, the, as the effects of the winter are starting to become more profound, you know, we're just in this insane environment right now. And this is adding significant fuel to the fire, even on a global scale. Because if you remember, after the last rate increase, we were sitting there talking about how we wanted, you know, or other countries are saying, hey, can, can you guys chill out? Can you guys stop? Right. And I think that was even asked in the press conference and Powell addressed that. Uh, I can't remember. Can you remember what exactly he said? No, I, I actually didn't watch the press conference myself. So I, I have to watch a video of it. I was at the gym. Getting swole up. Uh, nice. It's, I, I don't know. I had no trades on that were directly tied to the event. So it didn't, you know, it didn't really matter to me to catch it as he's saying it. But mm -hmm. I do think everything that we've been seeing from them so far is they don't really care about the global implications. No. And that's the, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something along those lines, I believe. Which 
again, just it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever seeing the way that they've gone about the the approach so far. We've had some dialogue with, you know, our, our brother and sister nations, and there's essentially been, you know, ceteris paribus. There's no change. Right, right. And so this is another interesting part that I saw from the FOMC statement. It says, in determining the pace of future increases in the target rate, the committee will take into account the cumulative tightening of monetary policy, the lags with which monetary policy affects economic activity and inflation, and economic and financial developments. The committee will continue reducing its holdings of treasury securities and agency debt in agency mortgaged-backed securities, as described in the plans for reducing the size of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet that were issued in May. So here's the deal. Not only are we going through this rate increase, but we're continuing to unwind the balance sheet. Right. That wreaks havoc in bond liquidity. And bonds are already not acting normally in terms of just stereotypical risk-on, risk-off relationships. So we have this confluence of different factors that are all coalescing together. And it doesn't seem like the Fed is really, I don't know, it it seemed like lip service when they were saying that they're going to take into account the cumulative tightening of monetary policy. One of the things I don't understand is like, why don't they take a beat? Why don't they, instead of just keeping 75, 50 basis point increase in mind going forward into, you know, 2023, why not come down to like a quarter for a cycle? Right. And just, and just let that lagging information come through because I don't know how they're not going to walk off a cliff here if they haven't already walked off it. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park I mean, how long does the economic data lag, uh, or at least inflation? How long does inflation lag the federal 
the Fed's uh, rate increases? It's a great question. I think you could argue anywhere from a quarter to beyond a quarter. So it, it could be a couple months, depending on what extreme that we're at, or it could be, I, I've seen people talk about as long as, you know, four to six months. I think I've seen 18 even from like real, like real economists, not, not yeah. Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, cause I, I think the problem with 18, I think you run into the issue of it's very difficult to tie things together at that point. Yeah, yeah. Because too much other stuff has occurred in the meantime. So you start to ruin the sample of, you know, everything else remain relatively static. Um, but yeah, to your point, it, it can be an extremely long period of time. But I mean, we should see preliminary data functions earlier than that, because it's not like the Fed is just getting a snapshot once a month and making right. a decision off that, right? Like they're looking at shit every single day. They're looking at flash reports, things that are coming in in the interim. So again, I'm not an economist. So this is actually a, a genuine question for maybe anybody listening that's like privy to this stuff. But I would be really, really curious as to what would the drawback be if they, again, took a beat on or took a pause on one of these cycles and said, hey, you know, we're going to pause the rate increases or we're going to reduce it to a quarter to see how, you know, the data points react. And then we will resume our protocols, re reassess and resume our protocols from there. I think this all ties into how slow they were to initially act. I think that's a big part. I think they took so much criticism from that, that now they're just afraid to to be seen as being... Uh, inactive or, or not doing anything. I absolutely think that that's a part of it. And I also think that it's hard for me to totally assess, you know, Big Daddy J Powell's ego, not saying that he has like a huge one or anything like, like, I don't want to cast that on to him. Like, I think he's doing his best, mm -hmm. but it is hard for me to essentially remove that from my thought process being, okay, well, since he said essentially that we're going to uh, just on this until it's, you know, at the inflation rate of 2%, what would he gain by taking a preliminary pause? Like maybe he would start to lose some validity, mm, right? which he already lost a ton of that. So part of me thinks that since he started slow, like you said, decided that this was the path forward, I think he might be concerned about just bouncing away from that super quickly. But again, like that's all pure conjecture. I just, I really don't understand why we wouldn't slow down and see how the cycle, see how this, see how the cycle data points catch up. We've had four rate hikes of seventy-five bips, and inflation does not really seem to be. It doesn't seem to be doing much to inflation yet. Like, why wouldn't you want to just maybe try a smaller one or not at all, and then see if you know the next months or two's data comes in the same? Like, at least then you know if what you're doing is having an effect. Because I think what you're starting to highlight, and I think this is an even more important part of the conversation, is interest rates are part of this problem. They are not the only solution to high inflation. And that, that's like, it's a really important part of this conversation that I think people, we've become hyper-focused on rates. And it's because, rightfully so, rates have been fucking wild over the last two years. Yeah. We've seen rates essentially at zero. And then, you know, now we're marching right up past that. So I, I could see the obsession with it. But there are other levers in this, you know, world that I think we're, you know, we have unemployment coming up, which I think is another figure that the Fed is fighting with mm -hmm. because they want unemployment to be a little higher, meaning more people are unemployed. 
that's another part of this equation. So that and wage growth too. They want right, right. And I, I just I look at all these things and I'm thinking he doesn't think we over tightened, but like fucking how? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> if if you don't think we've over tightened yet, okay, fine. You know we can change definitions just like we did for recessions. Why not? Makes it more right. more fun. But like to even message that I think is. So does he think like we're nowhere near over tightening? Because that's kind of the way I I perceive that information. And I was like, that's kind of what it sounded like. Like he was, he was ready to go full throttle still. Exactly. And I thought that that was fascinating, especially juxtaposed against the way that the rest of the Fed has been messaging around. Because like I said, there's been multiple Fed members that are like, man, maybe we could reassess and maybe we don't need to do 75 basis points, da, 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 da. Because that's what started a lot of the market rally. Mm-hmm. Because people were hearing that encouraging disposition yeah. and that, you know, big daddy j just pulled out his big old dick and pissed in everybody's Cheerios because I guess he wasn't having it. Think there's any chance this costs him his job? Like how, who appoints the Fed president? It's going to be really, really interesting. I'm really curious what he's trying to model himself after because I don't totally understand what he's trying to accomplish here. I, I really don't. Like, I don't know if he has any sort of larger aspirations that he's trying to, you know, show how... <laughs> is he a Republican? That's my question. <laughs> he is a Republican. Yeah, okay. So that, yeah. We got midterms going on right now and you're going to tank the market right before the midterms? Like, something seems a little sus about that. Which I guess that is also completely, uh, completely fair. Well, he's, he's what he's 69 years old. So maybe he does have aspirations, but I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily think they're probably, you know, super, super long dated right. when you're nearing dying. So <laughs> I don't know. He could, he could do three terms at that age. Shit, dude. We're starting to see some, some political, party leaders that I think they should be in fucking geriatric care, let alone leading the goddamn country. Um, I'm not going to get into that, but it's getting a little ridiculous. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not even necessarily highlighting Biden. I, I just mean the fact that there are a lot of really old people yes. that run our government and it's terrifying. It's, it's like, bro, you were around during like the sixties and seventies as a, you know, a teen and 20 year old. That's like your baseline. I know. How many old people do you talk to that have uh, progressive views on the world? <laughs> like there needs to be some turnover to keep ideas fresh. Dude, exactly. A little more representative. I, you know, yes. I wouldn't go everybody being young because then you run into the, no, no, no. God, yeah, no. you run into those problems, but we were in the military. We, we know what that was like. Yep. <laughs> so it looks like the, the main takeaway I got from the, the messaging today, it looked like they're essentially maintaining pace. I felt like they were potentially going to increase the target rate as appropriate. Mm-hmm. They did seem to message maybe slowing down hikes slow, like the progression of hikes again, away from the 75, maybe closer to 50, mm-hmm. but it, that juxtaposed with the higher top rates. Like how do you make heads or tails of that? Yeah. It was almost like they left the door open for either decision. It's like, Oh, yeah. we will start considering this, but we're not going to slow down if the data supports it. Dude, this is going to be just such a fascinating 
next quarter. It's got to be insane. Wow. I just looked up Jerome Powell's net worth out of sheer curiosity. Do you have, do you have a guess? Um, let's see. With all the, how many years has he been Fed president? Uh, that's a good question. He's fucking old. It's probably been probably good because he was there when Trump was there. Uh, took office 5 Feb 2018 for a four-year term. So four years, 10 million a year, we'll say. So 2018, I, I would say about 40 or 60 million. Fantastic guess. It's between 20 and 55 million, says Wikipedia. Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of time to get some good insider trades in. Dude. Which, <laughs> that was specifically asked in the press conference as well, too. Asking if they had a problem with ethics. <laughs> good on that reporter. Dude, I still love Nancy Pelosi's response to that. Did you see that when a reporter asked her about insider trading with her husband? Oh, no. Dude, she just she just completely dismissed the question. Like somebody asked her, like, you know, hey, we noticed essentially that your husband is knocking it out of the fucking park. Right. Um, you know, is there any potential conflict of interest or insider trading? And she, I, I, you know, not not to misquote, but essentially it was just like, no, that's ridiculous. Can't believe you brought that up. And then she just walked away. Yeah. <laughs> she, she just left the fucking podium. <laughs> Oh, God. So your response is, that's ridiculous that you would even bring that up and then walk away. And again, you know, not saying it is or isn't happening. I I don't know. I have no proof. But again, from like the military, right, we're brought up in a certain world of conflict of interest. And even if the appearance is there that there could be one, it's treated very seriously because that erodes confidence very quickly. Right. So the fact that we have any any political leader like that that just dismisses it as if it's an absurdity, as if, you know, it's outside the realm of possibility that it might even appear that there's a conflict of interest. I'm like, bro. Yeah, that's ballsy. It's awesome. It, it, <laughs> it is such a funny clip. I'll, I'll, I'll drop it in the chat so that you could share it with anybody that wants to check it out. It's just so goddamn funny because she's just straight up <laughs> not having it and just laughs. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, Eric, uh, any final thoughts to leave uh, the listeners with? Yeah. So looking at the way that volatility is reacting to the market, volatility is up moderately compared to the move that we saw today, like very moderate. And I, I bring that up because we are at a point where implied volatility has fully inverted below um, the 20 day historic volatility, especially after today. So I just think for anybody that trades shorter term timeframes, be mindful into the rest of the week. I'm keeping risk much closer because now the market needs to go through the cycle of digesting all this information, which tends to lead to a little expansion in volatility. I'm actually surprised that the VIX is so low. So keep the risk tight. Sounds good. Uh, where else some people find you, Eric? We got ES Invests. So you got your YouTube channel. I find you on Twitter. That's pretty much it, man. Uh, we'll have links for all that stuff in the episode description. But thanks again to everybody for sticking around to the end. Highly suggest you check out Eric's stuff. He's got some fantastic content over there on YouTube. Uh, we'll be back at you guys soon with another amazing guest episode. But until then, uh, we got to shut the doors and go get some work done. So have a nice day, everybody. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.